0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Today we're still talking about the kingdom of God, and we talked about the rules last week. Now we want to apply those rules. We want to apply what it is to believe and what it is to love. Believe on Jesus Christ and love others as you've been loved. And so let's learn what it is. Love is the culture of the kingdom of God. Let's learn how to apply that love in every circumstance of our lives. Come on, let's get into the word. came to church and something happened, something happened, something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. We won't want the same old stuff every week. We want something fresh, something new. We want something happened. I went to church today, and you know what? Something happened something. You know, Ryan, we came to church last week and Ryan was in a psych hospital with not a a very good hope before him, not a a diagnosis of a poor future. You know what's happened since then? Ryan is out fishing. (laughs) Something happened. Amen. I mean, that's a person who had a revelation, right? He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me. Oh, for everybody over 60, say amen. Amen. Wow. A lot of people over 60 there, eh? <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're talking about the kingdom we are, we're talking about the kingdom. And even though we just sang that song, I'm gonna tell you this, uh, Jesus is not the gospel. He is, it's, Jesus is really good news. He embodies really, really good news. But Jesus himself is not the gospel. It's like if you drove to Toronto in a Ford, how did you get Toronto? In a Ford. You know, the Ford got you there, but the destination was Toronto. If you went to Disneyland in a Ford, when you get to Disneyland, are you going to camp around the Ford? Go happy Ford, happy Ford, happy. No, you're going to enter the gates of Disney and enjoy the magic kingdom. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. And Jesus is good news because he embodied good news, but he brought with him heaven on earth. He brought with him the power of redemption. He brought with him the reign of a new king. He enforced a whole new reign and rule. And if you embrace that reign and rule, something will transform your life. And it's called the very presence and kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. But he's come and he's brought us a realm a new way of life a new place to live a new place to be a new place to exercise influence from and i love what glenn and judy did because you know and it's so true i mean the kingdom is the kingdom and there's no moving the kingdom the kingdom is everlasting it cannot be shaken or moved there is a king he has a kingdom and it's forever But whether there's dominion right now in your world is up to you. He has said, here, take my kingdom, enter my kingdom, pray my kingdom, command my kingdom to come into manifestation. But you see, it's not just by osmosis. It's something that you, it comes by faith. And faith speaks. The reason the word of God was written is so that it could be spoken by you. Even that psalm, Psalm 103, says, Bless the Lord, you angels who do his word. They don't do his word, but they do the voice of his word. They don't do his word, but they do the voice of his word. When you get the word of God on your mouth and you declare it over your life, all the army, you know, the kingdom of God has an army. It's an angelic heavenly host, and they are bringing heavenly favor to you every day. to serve those who are inheriting and bringing into manifestation salvation and you know when you voice the word of god as we did today over our families something shifted in your world today because you made those declarations (laughs) hallelujah we're not just having little remembrance parties until he gets us out of here We're not coming and having a little history lessons about Jesus. And isn't it going to be good when he delivers us from this messy world? He didn't deliver us from the world. He delivered to us a kingdom so that in this world we could reign and rule over all of darkness. And at the name of dark, if Jesus, the kingdom of darkness trembles. All five happy people, I'm glad you're here. The good news is it used to be three, but now it's five. Uh, We're moving up. Jesus is not the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel. He's the means to the gospel. He is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. Enter in. Jesus said you must enter the kingdom of God. The good news, the gospel, is that he brought the kingdom of God to earth. Every kingdom has a ruler, a realm, and rules. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory. Now turn to your neighbor, point at them, and say, you're a king. Turn to your other neighbor, say, you're a king. Turn to your other neighbor, say, you're my third choice every kingdom. You see, you are a king. You have a sphere. God has preordained before the foundation of the world. He created you like a living poem to manifest and exercise the gifts and callings in your life. There's a realm that he's given you authority over and you reign and rule in that realm. And you are called today to bring in the manifestation, have dominion and exercise the kingdom of God. Manifest His goodness and greatness where you are. He created you wonderfully, you're wonderful and fearfully made to demonstrate a powerful purpose of God. You didn't get saved and then stand at the bus stop. You got saved, how do stand at the bus stop going to heaven? What are you here for? Going to heaven. No, he didn't come to get you to heaven, he came to get heaven to earth and then in and through you manifest a gushing river of power of majesty and strength. Hey! a king over his territory. You're a king over your territory. You're impacting it with the will of God, his purpose and his intent, producing a citizenry of people who reflect his culture and manifest his nature and glory. It's not, it's not glory, it's glory. It's a 17-syllable word. Glory. The glory of God. The rules of the kingdom, it's a kingdom culture, John 13. See, when we talk about commandments now. When you read commandments now, don't think about the Old Testament. When you read commandments, don't think about those 10 rules that you got to try to obey. Don't think about that. You see, in Christ Jesus, you see, the the Old Testament, the law is beautiful, and there's glory on the law. Say this, there's glory on the law. And it's not that that's a problem with the law, But the problem is when the law is preached, there's glory on it. You can feel the glory when it's preached. But here's the problem, you're not under the law. See, because he took you from glory to glory. He's moved you into another covenant and another realm. And in the new covenant, meaning there was an old one, it says, but in Christ, the old one is made obsolete. How many are still using Windows one, Windows three, Windows seven? You're not using it because it's obsolete. There are new programs. You can't even run it on that old system. The old system is gone. Those who are trying to live by it are propping up death. You can only live by the new commands. What are the new commands? I give you the new commands. You ready? A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you should also love one another. First John 3, 21, and this is his command, that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the name. See, when Philip went out and preached, he preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And it says, and the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus was a whole simple teaching. This morning, I'm doing a series on the kingdom. Tonight, I'm going to teach you about the name of Jesus. And when you use the name of Jesus, you better get ready for your whole world to shift. You better get ready for darkness to flee. You better get ready for every circumstance to shake and see the light of God's glory and manifestation, unless unless you use his name in vain, unless you're praying with no faith. You're going, well, let's throw this in, in the name of Jesus. When you use his name without expectation, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. I've, I have no expectation that you're well. Come up here to the altar. Oh, you have diabetes? Oh, well, in the name of Jesus, we command that to go. Keep taking your medicine now and carry on. because, And do keep taking your medicine. What I want to happen is that your medicine is going to cause a problem in your body. You know why? Because you're healed. But keep taking your medicine. I had a guy healed of diabetes in Uxbridge, Ontario called me up after the meeting. He said, I'm healed of diabetes. I said, how did you know? He said, I was taking my insulin, kept taking my medication. I went to the doctor, said, I'm having a serious problem. They tested my blood again, and then they tested it again. And then they tested it again. And then they said, you better stop taking the insulin. Why is that? You don't have diabetes. <laughs> but you know, when we pray, when, would you would your mouth be so disciplined by your heart? Would you fear to use the name without faith? Would you have an expectation when you use his name that when I use his name, when you use his name, angels turn and stand at attention and they're waiting for direction. And when you use his name, have an expectation that I'm calling heaven to manifest itself in this circumstance and expect that it will and expect that you'll see a transformation and a change. Hey! Believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as, everybody say as, as he gave us commandment. Amen. Amen. J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, a classic, great book. He said, the measure of God's love is that he loves you without measure. Isn't that good? The measure of God's love, what is it? It's that he loves you without measure. There's no condition to the flow of God's love to your life. There's nothing you can do to turn the tap off. It's on full and it will never change. And it'll wash over you forever. No matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's going on, you'll never affect his love for you. Well, don't say that. People will take it for granted. God loves when you take it for granted. Yeah. Praise God. Kelly's in the house. Oh, Martin Luther. I didn't fix this one on my own slide or that one, but Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, he said, the essence of Christian faith is not knowledge but love. The essence of Christian faith is not knowledge but love. A lot of us are just trying to cram our heads with more knowledge. But you know, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. If you don't have love, you're nothing. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, remember that? You know, it says if, if you could move mountains and you don't have love, you're nothing. I don't know about you, but if I told you that today at six o'clock, come with me to the north end and I'm gonna command Boulder Mountain to move to the north end of the city, come and watch. I don't know, I'd show up for that. Wouldn't you? You know, I want everybody to see Mount Everest. So I'm gonna command it to come to the north end of the city just so we can all see it. In the name of... If you could move mountains, I think that'd be pretty cool. But you know what, if you could do that and don't have love, you're nothing. Nothing. You could have all the wisdom, wisdom of God, man, angels, all of that. If you don't have love, you're nothing. This is not a quest to learn more and know more than your neighbor. It doesn't matter a single bit if you don't have passionate love for your neighbor. Come on, look at the person beside you and say, I love you. Amen. Right there, we just healed several marriages right there. Just... (laughs) matthew 18 verse 3 matthew 18 verse 3 says truly truly verily verily truly i'm telling you the absolute truth right now when jesus said truly he really meant it was true i mean jesus had to put truly in front of this what it really means is pay attention truly i'm telling you unless you change and become like a little child like little children you will never you will never yes, you, Mr. Big Head, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And let's not enter, enter into eternity kingdom of heaven. It's you will never experience the revelation of the vastness of his kingdom in your life and experience today. Because you know how it comes? It doesn't come by being childish. It comes by being childlike. My kids would come home, they never wondered, are we going to eat today? Even if we were struggling, even if I'm not sure, even if I had to get a can of beans out of the church, you know, closet and say, we, at least we got something, my kids expected that they would get fed. And my kids never said, Dad, we're going to eat today. It's a horrible thing if you're ever in that position. But, you know, my kids had a childlike faith that Dad and Mom, they're going to provide for us. And, you know, when you're childlike, you expect that the word that your father spoke to you, he will fulfill every promise. Amen? See, with a childlike faith, I don't question. The Lord is my healer. (laughs) Done. The Lord meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Done. See, when we we get a little older, we start to question that stuff. I learned a little more. I know where it comes from now, my God. You gotta be childlike, not childish, but childlike. You cannot, you will never enter the kingdom. All right, I've got, uh, because of that, I wanna have some theology from a child. It's up on the screen there. I don't know if you can read it, but I'll read it to you. It says, what is love by Emma Kay, a deep theologian, Emma Kay, All right. age of six. Love is when you're missing some of your teeth. But you're not afraid to smile because you know friends will still love you even though some of you is missing. Let's close in prayer. You know what? Some of you is missing. (laughs) Some of me is missing. Sometimes some stuff manifests that's not even me. Yeah, you know, it's a wonderful thing when you're you're in a community that loves you. You love me even when I'm not complete. You love me even when pastor was missing something today. But gosh, I love him. I love you even though you're missing some of your teeth and some of you are. And some of you lost your hair, you know. What are you picking on us for? My God. All right, Hey, let's stay with the kids for a minute. You ready? It's Mother's Day. And Brendan said, Thank you, Mom, for making me food so I don't die. <laughs> Amen. Let's press in. Let's press into the childlike faith right now. Let's press in. Dear Mom, you're nice, funny, and you love me, and I know your hormones are crazy. <laughs> but I don't mind because you still love me. <laughs> Amen. Let all the hormonal people say amen. Wow, I got a lot of those in the house today, man. I tell you this is dear, dear mom, I love you. You're doing a good job at not burping at my bus stop. It's, I love to, drew a picture of the bus stop and mom burping and then mom with a cringing face going, I do that. Happy Valentine's Day, Mom! But I love that. I love you, Mom, and you're doing a good job of not burping, eh? My kids all said, "Dad, you're so embarrassing." You know. Anyways, Lord have mercy. One more. You're a beautiful human being. This was to Mom. You're a beautiful human being, but I'm not good at drawing human beings, so I drew a potato instead. but you know i love it eh? but but being the art critic that i am i want to say but it's a very beautiful potato (laughs) potato needs a haircut right there but hey napoleon a little theology from napoleon he said let france have good mothers and she will have good sons napoleon said that the little short dictator with his hand in his pocket because he didn't have toilet paper so Barna. This was uh, research done in 2019. Did a whole bunch of research. They've actually uh, released a a book now. It's a book called Households of Faith. And I've got a little quote up there. I'm going to read the full quote. It says, mothers are the main spiritual coaches for teens. They And these are practicing Christian teens. These are practicing Christian teens. Practicing Christians in their teen years consistently identify mothers as the ones who provide spiritual guidance and instruction and instill the values and disciplines in their faith and in their household. Moms are the foremost partners of prayer. 63% said it's mom of conversations about God. 70% said it's mom of the Bible. 71% said it's mom of faith questions. 72% said I go to mom. Those... uh, This is consistent with Barna data through the years and it shows mothers to be the managers of faith formation, among other household routines and structures. Mothers are also the ones encouraging church attendance, 79% of practicing teens said, I go to church because of mom. Or teaching kids about the Bible, 66% said it's mom teaching me about forgiveness, it was mom teaching me religious traditions, it was my grandfather Carl. 72% said mom was the one who laid religious tradition in their lives. Book, Households of Faith, and it's www.barna.com. Research Moms Christians Households, May 2019. Moms are a pretty big deal. I know my mom was a pretty big deal in my life. Moms. So many people think that Christianity is a belief system, but it's really a belong system you can join our church if you believe properly you know what you can just join our church you know i don't really care absolutely what you believe what i want to do is i want you to know that i care about you and that i absolutely love you the same way i've been loved by my heavenly father when i didn't know a single thing and i was too stupid to breathe god loved me with an everlasting love and he loved me with an unconditional love And you know what? I'm not here to check out what you believe or question why you see the world the way you do. I am here to say, I love you as God loved me. And you know what transforms lives and changes the world? Love, agape love, selfless love, the kind of love that serves and serves and serves. Can I get an amen? All right. It's a belong system. John thirteen fifteen. By this will all men know that you are my disciples because your choir has lovely robes. By this shall you know we are disciples because our worship team can sing in four-part harmony. Oh. This is how believers are manifest. This is how disciples of Christ demonstrate that they are children of God by their love for one another. I don't know if you know, but I watch a lot of shows and a lot of things when they they bring up the Christian thing, or you believe in God, the person, oh, no, you're not doing that, are you? I don't like that. I don't know why they get away with that. They get away with that because a lot of us manifest a lot of other stuff instead of love. You know, I go to church. You go to church? I do. And I belong to a community that unconditionally loves me, supports me, cares for me. And thank God for that community. I can't tell you the times in my life that I didn't think I was going to make it, but the community of Christ walked in and they loved me. They prayed for me. They supported me, encouraged me. They walked in when I was in a place of need and they helped me. They gave me finances. They blessed me. Thank God for that community. I can't believe you're not all going to church. I can't believe every single person in this city is not in a loving community. I can't believe that. How could you possibly get through life without a community baptized in the unconditional love of Christ and demonstrating that to you? Can I get an amen? I can teach all kinds of deep revelations and deep truths, but if those deep things don't lead to us loving each other, it doesn't matter. Well, I want some deeper truth, Pastor. This is as deep as it gets. And if you don't get this, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's not manifesting in your life, because if you really knew it, it would lead to you loving others. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. And I, well, of course, we're not talking to you. We're talking to the hypothetical you that doesn't exist, because you're awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're awesome. All right. 2020, 2020 report from Kaiser Family Foundation revealed that 47%, 20 in 2020, 47% of adults in the United States reported experiencing feelings of loneliness, and that was up from 27% in 2018. That, that's a pretty big deal, a lot of people. Research conducted by Holt Lundsted, published in Perspectives on Psychology Science in 2015, found that loneliness and social isolation can be as harmful to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I'm not here to pick on bald people or people who smoke cigarettes. I don't give a rip. I really don't. It is bad for you. That's been pretty much proven. Baldness, apparently, that's okay. I know I've lost some hair, but I really haven't lost it. It's now coming out my nose and my ears. But so it just decided to go a different direction. I don't even get that. so. loneliness it it, it can cause deep illness john t i can't pronounce his name but (laughs) it's that guy he said chronic loneliness needs to be taken seriously as a threat to our physical health it deserves the same level of attention resources and public health campaign as smoking and obesity many many people said if we really understood what loneliness is doing to our society we would put piles of money and resources into making that something that we would obliterate you're in a crowd right now you're in a room where there's a bunch of people i hope you're not lonely and i would be offended at myself as a pastor if you're here in this community and you feel lonely i plead with you get plugged into small groups i was in a small group this week i was really blessed i mean i walked out of there so happy i came a little bit tired but when I left, I was thrilled and exhilarated. And I was around people who loved me and spoke life over me. And I'm telling you, please, you know, you don't have to be lonely. Get, in, get engaged in community. Get engaged here. There are some fantastic people in this community that are longing to bless you and love you and minister to you. Dr. Dean Ornish, he's a believer, Dr. Dean, the Ornish Lifestyle Medicine. He said, love and intimacy and our ability to connect with ourselves and others is at the root of what makes us sick and what makes us well. It's not just what makes you sick, it's what makes you well. Some people are more healthy than others because they have living layers of community, loving community, selfless community that they are in and they give and receive. They give and receive love and affirmation and strength and affection. And I tell you, that brings life to you. People who feel lonely and isolated have a 300 to 500% greater risk of premature death due to physical illness. See, not being in a living, thriving community can really harm you isolation is right from the pit of hell loneliness is from the pit of hell and that's the devil I'm going to read some scripture and just draw a few conclusions you ready Look at this now, I got it all up on the screen so you can read it with me. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through to 4, chapter 4, verse 3. Now this is the Apostle Paul giving us some beautiful doctrine. I mean, the Apostle Paul in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he lays out the eternal purpose of God. And in those first chapters, he he brings by revelation things that were held and not revealed before, but God chose him to reveal his eternal purpose. This book is more important. It's, It's a greater, stronger beginning than Genesis because he doesn't start with creation. He starts with the heart of God before creation. And Paul, by revelation, begins to share with us the mystery that was hidden in God before the foundation of the world. And he says, now I'm making it manifest to you. And God wanted to bring every single person together in union with himself. God wanted to bring every single person and unite them together in one spirit with him and the Godhead. God wanted to break down every single divisive wall and bring the people of God, every tribe, every tongue, every nation together in union, in oneness with the same quality of oneness that the Godhead has. And through that, that was how he would reveal through the church that community that was walking together in the oneness of Christ, that community would be the vehicle that he would use to share his multi-faceted wisdom to the whole cosmos, to principalities and powers in high places and everywhere. He, through the church, was going to reveal his wisdom his greatness, his grace, and his glory. And he's going to manifest that how? Through a community that professes wonderful things? No, through a community that manifests ridiculous love for one another. So this is Paul. He says, now, after saying all of that, after sharing this deep revelation, after sharing with you the very heart and intention of God, the creator himself, here's how I respond to that. What is my response? My response is to get down on my knees. My response is I'm going to pray to the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, In light of that glorious calling, in light of God's deep purpose for your life, what's my response to this? I get on my knees and I pray that you would have an expression of big revelation of the love of God. That that love, you'd take it in with all the followers of Christ. You'd take in the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. That you would reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depth, rise to the heights. Lives full, overflowing with God himself, full of the fullness of God himself. God can do anything, you know. God can do anything, you know. Can he do that? Yes, he can do that too. God can do anything, you know, far more than you can imagine. Anybody got an imagination? Woo! Far more than you can. I imagine London full of the glory of God. I imagine London. I imagine a day when we're in the Budweiser Center doing 10 services a day. Yeah. Can you see that? Can you see that? Wow, and London's so full of the glory, you've got to leave town just to sin. <laughs> ha, Jesus. Can you imagine or guess or request your wildest dreams? He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with us. He wants to partner with you. He's not looking for subservient slaves. He's looking for sons and daughters who partner in his dream. He's looking for a family that will be such a revelation of his love and kindness that we manifested in the earth. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the... Glory to God in the... No, pay attention. You're supposed to read with me. Glory to God in the... Thank you. You were on the wrong passage, weren't you? (laughs) Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. No, glory to God in the church the church is christ in us it's not me it's christ in us is the hope of glory glory to god in the ecclesia Glory to God in the freed men and women called out, brought into union under his headship to demonstrate his love power and glory. Glory to God in the church. That's what I'm praying for. Glory to God in the church. That's what I want to see. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yeah. Thank you. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. Here I am. I'm locked up. I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner for the master. That seems like such a contradiction, doesn't it? God can do anything. And I'm writing you this letter from jail. Well, if you're such a big guy, Paul, and you got such deep revelation, how come you're locked up? that's why he wrote to Timothy and said, don't be ashamed of my chains. Sometimes you live through contradictions. Sometimes you're living in circumstances where you declare absolute freedom while you're in chains. Here I am. I want you to get out there and walk better yet. Run! Run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you just sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And Mark, let you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts. I was doing really good for a while. That's, that's like me and my weight loss program. fits and starts me it's kind of like I start and then I fit I start and then I go oh no it doesn't fit then I go to the mandarin because I'm frustrated <laughs> anyways enough about me amen all right I want you steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love well I love somebody back in 2016 it was awesome I gave somebody some help one time. I felt the Lord told me they needed some help, and so I helped that person. I've heard that testimony for 25 years. What are you doing now? Are your eyes open now? Is your heart open today? Steadily pouring yourself out with each other in acts of love, alert, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. All right, quickly, three things, you ready? Say three things. Three essentials for kingdom culture Number one, embrace your value Embrace your value Just say that to your neighbor Say, I'm valuable valuable. And I know it I absolutely know it I am of more, God takes care of sparrows. He takes care of creation. The sun comes up. It goes down every day, 24-7. Everything in such incredible order. Look at how incredibly wonderful creation is. And you know what? He says, you're of much more value to me. God highly values you. He's nuts about you, and he loves you. We were talking at our small group on Thursday morning, talking about love, and I asked, why don't people love? you know, I think a lot of people don't love because they can't. And the most difficult thing for people to do when they're not feeling loved is to love. If you're not baptized in love, see, the commission for us is to love one another. So what does Paul want for us? A deep revelation of God's love for us. When you walk, when you fathom the depth, the height, the width, the breadth of God's love for you, when you are baptized to overflowing with God's love, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, you spontaneously are gushing unconditional love for all those around you. And when you don't know how much God values you, loves you, and how special and privileged and precious you are, it's difficult for you to just squirt out a little act of kindness because you feel like if I give any to you, I'll I'll lose some. You know what? When you give, you're more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to be more blessed, give. If you, want to be, well, if you want friends, it says first you must show yourself friendly. Sow a little friendship. Sow a little kindness. Sow a little something. The reason you're not getting a harvest of love is because you haven't planted any anywhere. You know, but you don't, And people don't plant when they feel like I don't have enough. When you feel like there's lack in your own life, you're unwilling to be generous with others. And when you lack affection and you lack love, it's very hard for you spontaneously to manifest love for others. You are loved. You are incredibly loved. You are of unbelievable value, and I want you to embrace that. You don't have to qualify for it, He qualified you. For God so loved the world, which is you, He sent His Son to die for you. You are to die for. Well, who died for you? God Himself sent His only begotten Son to lay down His life for you. I mean, what do you do in response to that? You just say, wow. And you know what? That's who you are. You are precious. You are wonderful. You are so special in every single way. And I pray you know that. I pray you walk in that. Because if you don't engage that, you're going to have a really hard time manifesting loves to others. I want you to understand the extravagant dimension of God's love. Embrace your value. Embrace it. You don't have to try to achieve it. You don't have to change a single thing. He loves you just as you are right this very minute. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I'm going to make myself more lovely. I'm going to show you that I'm worth it. Shut up. Number two, this is something I hang my head on a lot be yourself. Be yourself. Be absolutely the authentic you. You know something? A beautiful compliment I often get from people who visit this church and go, "I've never been a place where there's in a place where there's a sense of such authenticity." And the, I get this a lot. You people are just real. I'm like, it's a lot easier to be real, isn't it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, man, faking it is so hard. Fake it till you make it. I ah, will skip that. I'm just gonna be me. Hey, you know, you're a little annoying, Pastor. I go, I know I'm a little and I'm annoying. It's good. (laughs) I tell you, well, whatever. My wife's been married to me for 40 years. So there. Yeah. And on Mother's Day, she came down, gave me a hug and a kiss. (laughs) And I went, what's that all about? You know? You know, my wife's love for me means so much to me. And if I go anywhere and my wife's not with me, I feel a little bit insecure. But when my wife's with me, I feel like a champion. At least there's one person, hey? I know there's at least one person going to laugh at my jokes. And if Cheryl won't, at least Rammy will, you know? Right, Ramy? Thank you. <laughs> But you know what, the heavenly father loves me and it's tangible, it's real, I know he loves me. I walk in his face every day and he smiles at me and he says, you're so cute. <laughs> he says, I made you and I had no idea how wonderful creating you is. You surprise me every day, Carl. There's things you do that I watch you like, I never thought that would ever happen. Look at you. I was watching a basketball game all by myself one day, and a guy in, in the flow of the game did a 360 slam dunk. Boom, and I went, yes, wow. I mean, I jumped off the couch, nobody there. I was like, yeah. And all of a sudden, I heard a big voice saying, I love you and how you get carried away with this. I'm like, <laughs> I used to think God was mad at me when I, when I watched basketball. I should have been out witnessing. And he said, no, Carl, I actually, I love sitting and watching sports with you because you get a real kick out of this, don't you? And I went, I really do. Is that okay? He said, it's more than okay. I'm crazy about you. But he did tell me, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, he said... All right, I know you all beat me up on the leaves, You know, thank you for that. A lot of love in this place, hallelujah. Anyways, you know what I got to say to that? Go Knights, go. go. Anyway, so all right, so, I've moved on. Okay, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. It's not the worst than being somewhere where you know the person's performing and they don't even know how to be themselves. It's weird. It's kind of creepy, but just be yourself because you're okay, and I'm nuts about you, all right? You're unique. There's no one like you. Don't be a copy. We don't need copies. We don't need people pressed into some little mold. If you come to Impact Church, you dress like this, look like this, talk like this, and when you say God, you say God. We don't say God around here. We say God. All that weirdness, it's creepy stuff. Just be you, because I love you, and I love the variety. Don't you love the variety? It's really good, all right? let's move on you're all unique all right so embrace your value and you know when you embrace your value you're okay with you you're okay to be yourself don't be a copy and the third thing express selfless love embrace your value just be yourself and express selfless love steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love i love you brother how about a pizza? (laughs) Words are cheap. Words actually. What do you want? Well, actually I don't want any more pizza. I look like I am because I've had too much pizza. You know, you are some beautiful people. We've had so many beautiful notes and, and Texts and emails and we buried Cheryl's dad on Friday, but I felt love There's people from this church who drove all the way down on Friday to be with us in Peterborough to participate in that celebration I got cards and and notes and things and I was just like my god You people are fantastic <laughs> Yeah, true story Steadily pouring ourselves out in acts In acts of love, you walk into the room and everyone else is of greater value than you. When you walk into the room, everything changes. When you walk into the room, you value every person in that room more than yourself. It's not like, I'm here, look at me. Look at all these people I get to love today, people I get to impart to and bless. And, man, we're manifesting God. We're manifesting his love because it's not a belief system. It's a belong system. It's not a belief system. It's a belong system. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. I has got one more verse here, ready? He it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become members of the church. I believe what you're saying here pastor and you know what i accept it and i accept that god really really loves me i believe it and i'm going to accept it if you believe that to those who believe and those who accept says he gives them the right and the privilege he doesn't open a door to getting there he literally says i now give you the right to declare over yourself i am a child of god amen We belong to someone. We have a father. He's a loving heavenly father. He's your loving heavenly father and you are blessed. Please embrace your value and please be yourself. But then please, in a full blown revelation of that, express steadily, not spits and starts, but express steadily love and kindness, acts of love to one another. We're going to change the city.